Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. This is your new Comics Wednesday episode for January, no, for January, February 16th. <laughs> uh, time goes by too fast. I'm trying to rewind things. Yeah, for March 16th, 2022. So it's a bit of a lighter week, which is kind of strange to have that in the middle of the month. Usually more towards the end of the month but last week man was a huge week so i don't mind giving my my wallet a break although i say that and i, <laughs> I still so just a reminder everybody if you want to check out the dc stuff go listen to our dc spotlight yesterday where rocky from comic boom and i go full spoilers we also separated out the third chapter of trial of the amazons as well as the third chapter of War for Earth 3. So I say all that to say this. Mark Wade is back at DC and he did, uh, he's doing World's Finest this week. There's a Jerry Seinfeld cover for World's Finest that uh, is kind of inspired by this, that Seinfeld show that ended recently called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And on this cover by Dan Mora, who does the interiors also, Jerry Seinfeld is driving the 1966 Batmobile, you know, from the 1966 Batman with Batman and Superman riding in it. And there's a virgin variant of that. And I, I splurged on that. Um, so I didn't have a light week. And then it's, then I was just telling Jay before we started recording my, my local comic shop owner bought a huge collection of amazing Spider-Man. And I, I bought a key to fill a hole. Now, I didn't spend $2,500 and buy first appearance of Punisher in 9.6. And I mean, he, he had the first black cat. He's asking for 50. It's a good price. Can't, you know, first hobgoblin, another one I'm missing 
400 bucks. Didn't, couldn't, couldn't spring for that. And then a bunch of like, like first appearance of Kingpin, first appearance of uh, Mysterio, like a bunch of, bunch of keys. But I did, I did pick up 121, the death of Gwen Stacy for a decent price. So yeah, I didn't uh, save money this week, even though it was a light week because I splurged on some other stuff instead. So it happens. It happens. But anyway, let's dive into the books. Uh, speaking of Spider-Man, first book Jay's going to talk about is The Amazing Spider-Man number 92 point B-E-Y or Beyond. This is part of the uh, Beyond board, you know, the the group of writers that uh, telling us a story about Ben Riley taking over. Um, and kind of on that note, I encourage everybody to go and listen to my interview with Kelly Thompson, who is one of the writers from Beyond Board that came out on Monday. She actually struggled a little bit with this kind of format, writer's room sort of format. She talks about the challenges of it. But anyway, uh, it's kind of um, an interesting book, this 92-point bay, uh, because it's like, for the most part, you get only one writer's actually scripting each of these issues and one artist. But on this one, it's like everybody in the kitchen sink. And it does feel sort of segmented. feels like a bunch of little four-page stories all, all kind of crammed together. But we have Jed McKay, Cody Ziegler, and Zeb Wells are credited as writers. And I didn't mind that so much. But it, what I didn't like, though, is just how different the art looks because there's a ton of artists. Luigi Zagaria, Bruno Olivere, Fran Gallen, Mark Bagley, Wayne Falker. And then for colors, we have Esprin Gretergen, Carlos Lopez, Jim Campbell, Jim Charlampetis, Maury Holloway, and then Joe Caramani does the letters. So, yeah, it was a bit disjointed, but I thought still enjoyable. What did you think, Jay? Oh, it wasn't too bad. Like I said, it just uh, takes us back to the island where all the creatures are at. And we get the... Uh... I guess the hybrid of the lizard and uh, Morbius creature, which is kind of cool. I like the team up they have with, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Misty and uh, Colleen. That was kind of fun. And of course, Morbius, the real Morbius shows up. That's kind of fun. Uh, later on, you have another uh, character that kind of leading the pack of those two show up, uh, Monica. And she has seen him with a character. I haven't seen him forever. I just, I guess I haven't seen him in the comic for a while, but he just kind of, he's there. Uh, I won't give it away, but it's kind of interesting how uh, she kind of gets him to help out. And then, uh, then, then he's not bad. I mean, then we, we're going to see uh, Ben, I guess, going to face off with uh, another group of uh, baddies. But it was a bad. I mean, I thought we were going to get any Spidey in this, but we got Ben. So I guess that's something. But yeah, it was fun. It was a fun issue. I like that you're right. The artwork was kind of weird because when I read it the first time, I thought I was seeing something. And then I looked in the front and I was like, oh, okay, there's more than one artist because they didn't match. It was kind of the kind of, uh, it's very obvious that there's different artists in there. Yeah, really disjointed when you want to talk about how the, the art, it doesn't flow. You know, it's one thing if you get a bunch of artists, if their styles are similar, it can work. This is not that. There's a couple epilogues that was per, that were pretty interesting as well. There's like three, I think. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be interesting because supposedly when the new Spider-Man starts, which is legacy number 900, we're getting a new number one from Zeb Wells and Peter's kind of on the outside looking in and everybody's like, Oh, Peter did this horrible thing. Everybody's mad at him. So uh, I imagine this beyond is going to end with some sort of Pete's going to have to make some tough decision 
I wonder if it, he's going to have to in some way sacrifice Ben Riley. Like, is Ben going to die? Well, I hope not. I mean, he is. Yeah. A, I mean, he's got. He is a fan favorite for some some people. You know, like people do like him. He's a likable character. I mean, he's not the Spider Man, but I mean, he's still a likable character. Yeah, I just I'm I'm curious what it is. Um, and as far as that that character that shows up here, he was in um, the Iron Man run. Tony Stark Iron Man. It's the last time I saw him. So it hasn't been that long since he's been around. But uh, anyway, first book I'm going to talk about, uh, it's 10 Lives of Wolverine or X Lives of Wolverine. Um, this is the final issue, and it sort of dovetails into 10 Deaths of Wolverine a little bit. Uh, it's written by Benjamin Percy. Joshua Casera is the artist. Frank Martin is on colors. Corey Petit on letters. Tom Muller does the design. I am still not sure. This is the last issue of the series. I'm still not clear on how this leads into the second act of, uh, of the X-Men universe, right? Like we were told that House of X and Dawn of X led into, or House of X and Powers of 10 led into Dawn of X, which was considered sort of the first act of Jonathan Hickman's big plans for the X universe. Now Hickman has left, but you know, he still left the roadmap behind and the people he recruited are still working on it. I just, I don't see how this leads into the next stage, which, you know, uh, I'm sure it does. I believe Marvel when they say that, but it's not clear to me because this story about Wolverine jumping through time to try to save Professor X as uh, Omega Red is jumping through time, trying to kill Professor X or Professor X ancestors. It's a cool story. Um, there are some inherent problems with it as there can be in any time travel story at the end of the day, it is a, a Wolverine story and it's a fun story. And it, at the end of this issue, we get a brutal, fantastic, wonderfully illustrated and fun fight to the death, I guess you'll say between Wolverine and Omega red, um, which was fantastic. But again, it, it just doesn't feel of consequence in a lot of ways. So yeah, I'm not really sure. This doesn't – both the stories in in 10 Deaths of Wolverine and 10 Lives of Wolverine, they don't feel big enough in scope to say, hey, this kicks off the next, you know, stage of, of the, the X universe, you know, as opposed to House of X and Powers of 10, which felt huge in scope with these really big ideas. These stories are, like, super focused, so – I don't know. I don't know how it how it leads in. That being said, it's a cool story, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. I, I'm not reading the regular X Men title right now, only because I'm behind. Um, so maybe it's my fault. Maybe I just need to get caught up. Who knows? Uh, anyway, on to another event that we're really enjoying, and I want to stress that you don't have to have read any of the previous issues of Reckoning War or any. Anything that's gone on with Reckoning War, even know what Reckoning War means, to pick up Reckoning War Trial of the Watcher. Um, this is stands on its own. It's written by Dan Slott. Art is by Javier Rodriguez. Letters are by Joe Caramagna. Um, yeah, this was a really interesting issue. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, I, like you said, I was kind of worried that I wouldn't uh, know what was going on because I didn't read the uh, Reckoning War with the other series. But you don't need it. You're right. It's the artwork was uh, really good. The story was really good. It's just, uh, it's all pretty much the, the you know, the, the trial of Utah. And um, I, everybody likes that character because he's not, 
supposed to interfere but in this you kind of see what he does and you know how he kind of does interfere with humans and how he has he has uh i guess uh empathy for humans he wants to help us any way he can even though he's not supposed to but we also get uh like my favorite series as a kid growing up was a what if and you get a, a little bit of that which is kind of awesome the story is like that you know they're trying to show him you know uh, you know that he should interfere and the story that's in here that you get, uh, like, like it's kind of like a what if storyline, is really great. And it's like, do you really need him or not? And the thing is, I don't know if they were messing with him to show him this what if scenario, you know, because it it turned out good, but in the same way, it was kind of uh, kind of ruined the characters. I guess you can say I'm not gonna say who or what, but it was really good. The ending though, we get like a, a character is hiding in the shadows. So I guess you know we'll see where it goes with that. But I mean, can a human really help him? I don't know, but we'll, I guess we'll see. But it was fun. It was really fun. The artwork was uh, great, and just the uh, the effects of the face, the the drooping and everything was it was just great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Watcher, it's so it's so funny, right? Um, they have this policy of non interference, yet we've seen Uata over the years, like interfere time and time and time again. Like if you look at how many times he actually shows up in a comic, he interferes way more than he doesn't. Right. Like every comic he, like you wouldn't put him in a, you don't typically put him in a comic to just watch him not interfere. Like if, if a writer's going to put him in, it's because yeah, he's going to be part of the story. So if you think of it that way, okay, well, every single story that's ever taken place, every single issue and the events of those issues that have taken place in the Marvel universe, the watcher has watched and he has not interfered in the vast majority of them. Right. But you know, why would you put him in there if he's not going <laughs> to interfere? So when you think about the stories he's actually appeared in, it makes it seem like he interferes, you know, a lot more than he doesn't, which I, I, you know, you get that impression. And then obviously that's the impression of the other watchers and whatnot, but I think he has a point. I mean, in the reckoning war, for those not familiar, it's the, the, the species, the kind of the alien race that is the watchers at one point, they gave a bunch of weapons and technology to this other alien race, hoping to help that race have a better lives and, and, you know, become more advanced and whatnot. And that race instead used those weapons and technology to wage war and enslave other races. And that's the whole reason that the watchers race, you know, created that rule. Hey, we don't interfere because it went bad when they tried to help somebody out. Well, now that initial race has come back and they're conquering the galaxy. And so Uwata saying, hey, we're still, we still have a moral responsibility because th this race is powerful because we made them powerful. We, we need to set aside our non-interference and stop them. And the other watchers are saying, no, we don't. So in this one, it's, yeah, it's about trying to teach Uwata a lesson. And it's a, yeah, it's a really cool story because it answers that question like, well, what if the watcher hadn't interfered? You know, I mean, that's, right. <laughs> that's kind of the premise of the story. What, what might've happened. So uh, anyway, my next book is also um, a Marvel book. It's the end of the uh, death hunters storyline that's been going on in Avengers written by Jason Aaron. The art in this particular issue is by, uh, by who, where is, Oh, there it is. Uh, sorry. Uh, by Juan Frigeri. Colors are by David Curiel. Letters by Corey Petit. Um, this didn't feel like an ending at all. A um, little bit of action, a lot of setup. Um, 
but it, I don't know. It, it's weird because it's like this universal masters of evil that has become the main threat, the main enemy of the Avengers right now. They're introduced in this arc, but now it seems like that's all this arc was for was just to introduce them as a threat. And now Aaron's going to turn his, the writer, Jason Aaron's going to turn his attention elsewhere. And then I imagine at some point we'll come back to the universal masters of evil, but it feels a little like, I don't know, a little bit like the Avengers got their butt kicked and they didn't solve anything. So yeah, kind of interesting what Jason Aaron's trying to do here. Like I'm not, um, I'm not as familiar with, with Aaron's work. I know a lot of people read his Thor and really loved it. I haven't read that much from him. Actually, this is really the first thing that I'm reading on a regular basis for him. Maybe this is just how it works. I don't know. Uh, I did read his heroes reborn event and it looks like, uh, that's what he's going to be tackling next. Some characters from his Heroes Reborn event, specifically Nighthawk. And some of the characters in the Squadron Supreme of America are going to show up in the next arc. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I don't want to say this is underwhelming me, but it's not. I don't know. It feels like really big ideas and really big, broad story strokes without much kind of resolution. And it's so big and so broad. And nothing's getting resolved. So in a way, it's like, I don't know, it's 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 not quite landing for me. But again, maybe maybe that's just me. Uh, all right. Up next, we have Bylines and Blood, number three. This is written by Erica Schultz and Van Jensen. Anarchy is the artist. Cardinal Ray does the letters. I think Jay and I have really been enjoying this one. What do you think of this third issue? It was good. I like it because uh, we're getting uh, it starts out kind of weird because when I first got it, I thought I got it wrong because it was sideways. But then I was like, OK, I get it. Not, not, I know what's going on with it. But um, <clears throat> she got uh, beat up in the last issue by, by the, the cops because, um, you know, the uh, the mayor owns or the cricket. He owns everything. And she's a P.I. Um, it's nice because she has, a, you know, a family member there that's there in the hospital to help her, you know, get herself together, get herself back to uh, situated. She has a suspect and she's pretty sure this is the person she's going to go after. You know, I don't want to give too much away, but it's, it's a really good story. Um, it's actually a little fast paced. If you think about it, cause I is, I had to go through it again. Cause I thought I missed something, but the, the villain that we know from the last couple of issues, you know, has like a, a uh, like a predator uh, cloaking device. And we're not too sure what they look like, but when they show the reveal, you're like, wow. Okay. So it's, I guess it can mirror image things. Um, it's cool because, you know, they, uh, they know what's going on. They're trying to uh, get this person, but the ending was a, the twist because events occurred that they know that wasn't, she wasn't involved, but it was already put out in the, in the media. So it's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> so we still don't know who the, the actual, the, the killer is yet. But I mean, I got my suspicions, but it's a, it's just a good uh, mystery uh, series that I really enjoyed so far. And we don't know what year it is. I'm, I'm guessing it's like far in the future because some of the weapons and the technology are kind of advanced. But I do like uh, Satea. It's just, it's just a good, good character and the story's fun. And the artwork is, I, I like artwork a lot. Yeah, the thing about this story, we talked about it a lot in the first two issues, was how it, it kind of it was relevant with ideas about truth in journalism and uh, you know talked about a, a plague in the beginning or a pandemic and that kind of thing and it set up everything kind of emotionally and, and very relatable with with those ideas and then like they started ramping up the action in issue two and this issue three is all action so 
It's not that the undercurrent of relevance uh, isn't there anymore. It's very much there, but it takes a backseat to the action, which, you know, really makes this, makes the pacing of the story feel really breakneck. So it's a fun, it's a fun read. And there's actually only one issue left. It's a four issue instead of five. So I'm, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's a little sad though, but the Annie was the best part, the little, uh, uh, saying from Plato. And yeah. I think it's true today because that's what, especially if you're on like TikTok and all that, this is so true. It's like, you should not be holding not an image only, but the absolute truth. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Yeah, exactly. They like the truth is the truth, but somehow it's become subjective. Yeah. In our world, <laughs> which is just insane to me. So, um, Speaking of reality, my next book is called Rain. Uh, it's an adaption of a Joe Hill story by David uh, Boer. Art is by Zoe Thorogood. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. Letters by Sean Lee. Uh, this book continues to be super emotional and just brutal, which I suppose you would expect in a Joe Hill kind of horror novel. And this is ado- you know adopted from that or from a short story. I haven't read it because I, I wasn't even aware of the story. It's really interesting. Like just one day for whatever reason, these crystals start falling from the sky, it starts raining these crystal needles instead of like water. And, you know, they're brutal. Like they're, they're heavy. They're falling from a, a you know, a very high altitude and they kill people like thousands and thousands of people in a very short period of time because they're razor sharp. Um, we don't know why. And it's not necessarily, this isn't necessarily a story about why it's happening or, or, you know, how to solve it or fix the problem or whatever. It's about the emotional and psychological impact of the people that have died and and how it affects the survivors and how they're trying to go on with their lives. So really interesting from David Boer, really um, interesting art by Zoe Thurgood. It's, her art's a little, I don't want to say animated. It's its not like the most sophisticated or detailed art, but it's very raw, which kind of suits the raw emotions that the characters are feeling. So a lot of twists in it and, and only three issues. Um, like it, it's bad enough dealing with these razor sharp needles, crystal needles falling from the sky. But when you're dealing with like the aftermath and and how people can be horrible to each other on top of it, it makes for a brutal read. So I can't wait to finish it and go and read the the book by Joe Hill. Very curious. Uh, okay, up next we have another image book from uh, Michael Walsh. It's Silver Coin. We're up to issue number ten. Uh, Michael Walsh does the writing, the line work, and the lettering in this particular issue. Um, and I think it was. I want to say it was issue five where we got the origin of the silver coin. And now five issues later, it's like, I guess Michael Walsh is going to do every fifth issue. Cause this one is sort of um, we're checking back in with those, those people where the silver coin started. Right. Like, um, and if you didn't read issue five, just real quick. So basically this guy comes to town and he's like a traveling and it's a town somewhere in new England. And he's like a traveling witch hunter, if you will. And there's a woman there in town who's kind of like every town had back then, who's kind of like, um, she's not really a witch, but she's like a healer, you know, she, she knows herbs and, and that kind of thing. And the guy 
the guy takes her as a witch, you know, and kills her. Um, and she curses the coin and then the coin's been traveling from hand to hand throughout, uh, throughout time, throughout the years and, and cursing people because she has cursed it. And this evil witch hunter guy is sort of his evilness is sort of trapped within the coin. So, um, so that's kind of the background. And we get, uh, like I said, a, a modern telling uh, or kind of a modern check-in of, of what, what those two are up to the, the witch, the supposed witch and this witch hunter. So what'd you think of this, Jay? It was my favorite one so far of the series. Cause like you said, we get more of the, uh, <clears throat> we go back to like what's going on inside that coin to say, you know, uh, we get a bunch of teenagers. I'm assuming that uh, get involved with the coin and things go awry. Like they're supposed to with the coin, <laughs> But this was my book of the week because I just like that they go back to uh, the coin. Like like you said, I think it's like going to be every five issues. And they get a little bit more uh, details of what's going on with the coin and how it came to be and what kind of powers it actually has and whatnot. But it was really dark. Um, and I just liked it. It's uh, that other hunch you're talking about is just really creepy. <laughs> and it's just the, the way he brutalizes these kids and this whole story and just the, the things they have to do to survive is just like, I guess you would have to do to, if you want to be the survivor, I guess you can say. Danny is kind of peaceful. Um, and I guess one of the girls in the story uh, has a gift. I guess she can communicate with, uh, besides people, she can communicate with other things, which is kind of cool. And like I said, it's my book of the week, and I'm looking forward. Uh, the very last, uh, I think the back page shows that it's got other writers coming in, like guest star writers like uh, Jamie uh, Tillman and some other writers are going to, you know, they want, I guess they want to jump in and do a story, you know, to continue with the uh, Silver Coin. So I'm kind of excited about that. So it's, you know, we got good writers coming to uh, add to the to the coin storyline. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole idea of, of it in the first place, you know, that it was going to be whatever it was, five issues, each, each one written by a different writer. Then it got extended and yeah, now it's, now it's being extended again. And we all know James Tynan is a fantastic horror writer. So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see his <laughs> twist uh, next issue, his twist on the, uh, the silver coin. So, uh, okay. Next book I'm going to talk about image book from top cow also kind of in the horror vein written by one of my favorite writers, uh, Matt Hawkins. The art is by Christian Dabari. Colors are by Simon Go. Letters are by Troy uh, Petrie. And uh, it's called The Clay People Colossus. So I guess The Clay People is a band. What's really interesting is, so I think the, I guess it's a record company or something that's called Epitome um, that produced The the Clay People. And uh, basically Matt watched this video and listen to the lyrics of the song a bunch of times. And he said he got the, there's a, there's a, an essay from, from Matt Hawkins in the back. And he talks about how he, he listened to it, watched the video and this story came to him almost fully formed. And uh, it's a really interesting story because it it's grounded in history, true history. And, and Matt is a very intelligent guy. And oftentimes he'll ground his stories in, in reality. Um, and this one specifically is, um, about the the golems from Jewish mythology, uh, and so it, it, Matt draws on a lot of his own personal experiences. The main character here is half Jewish, half um, Asian. Matt's own sons are are biracial. 
uh, Matt himself was a Air Force brat growing up and moved around a lot. The main character in this story moves around a lot. So he's kind of bullied and it's tied in with that Jewish myth of the, of the golem. And then throughout what's really cool is throughout the story, we get the lyrics of the song, like highlighting events as they play out as the, the events of the story sort of mirror the emotionality and um, impact of the lyrics of the song. So uh, it's a really, really fun story. Uh, and it definitely feels like there could be more to the story, but uh, even if it just lives as a standalone, it was, it was really enjoyable uh, in, a, in a way it could almost be a, a chapter of the silver coin. Um, yeah. You could easily fit the silver coin into the story and have it work. So yeah, really enjoyed it. It was a great read. Uh, okay. Up next, another image comic from Jay. This one's called Slumber, written by Tyler Burton Smith. Illustrator is Vanessa Card- Cardinali. Colors by Simon Robbins. Letters and designed by Steve Wands. The whole idea of slumber, it comes from this idea that there are people who you can hire. If you're having nightmares, you can hire these people. They literally enter your nightmares and kill or somehow stop whatever creatures are in your nightmares that are, um, that are, you know, scaring you or that are the the bad guys of your nightmare. So that's where the, uh, the title comes from, but it's not as straightforward as that. There's a lot more mystery and intrigue. So what'd you think, Jay? It was good. I, uh, wasn't uh, expecting the art to be the way it was, but I think it works for the story. Um, like I said, it's uh, the main character is called uh, Stetson, and she's the one that you know she leaves her calling card. To, you know, she's a dream healer, is what she goes by. But it starts off, you know, with the detectives, and there's a serial killing going on. Um, like you said, there's a lot to the backstory. I don't want to give too much away, but they do give you a lot of uh, uh, material in this first issue of. Uh, you know, I said uh, Stetson, you know, what she's dealing with and why she does what she does. Uh, she has some sidekicks that help her, you know, uh, to go into people's dreams. And in this one, she, you see her take, you know, different cases and how she goes in these cases and, you know, has to kill, you know, whatever causing these people uh, harm. Some of them are funny and some of them are kind of twisted, some of the dreams. But, yeah, uh, it, it's good. It's got me kind of hooked. Like you say, you always got to give an issue a couple, you know, one or two issues to kind of get to the story. But from the first issue, I, I'm kind of hooked. I'm, I'm kind of seeing where it goes. And so far, I guess like uh, what is it, like the third book we've read so far that's got to deal with uh, some kind of dream or kind of monsters because what I, I date a monster, you know, date with monsters. It's kind of the same thing with the bad nightmares, but those become real. This one, you know, she goes into your dream and the way she does is kind of neat. So I don't want to give that away, but it's like I wonder how she came up with that process of doing it. Yeah, the only thing that I. Yeah, I. I guess I was going to say the only thing I didn't like was the art, but it wasn't that I didn't like the art, but I, it just, like you said, it, I didn't, I didn't expect that sort of artwork. You know, like this seems like such a, a science fiction story. So usually you expect some like really clean style of art. And that wasn't what, what this was, but it didn't go the other way with like watercolor and impressionist either. It's sort of, in fact, the art is, it kind of reminds me of, the next book you're going to talk about, which is uh, time before time, it's just very stylized. So, right. But the, the ideas and the central mystery seem pretty interesting. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. 
Uh, okay, next book I'm going to talk about is Land of the Living Gods, uh, issue number two. This is from Aftershock. It's written by Isaac Mogajane, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, apologies if I'm not saying that correctly. Santos does the art and colors. Dave Sharp does the letters. Um, this is an interesting story also, but I feel like I'm not getting as much out of it because it's. I know it's very much wrapped up in African myth, which I know zero uh, about. But um, there's a lot of, of, of myth and ideas here. And we're, I feel like we're barely scratching the surface of it. Uh, we've, we've met this boy who, uh, whose mother apparently comes from, uh, at one point was a god or was part of the living god. And she was um, found by, her, by his father here on earth. And his father nursed her back to health, had this child and father died at some point mother has now died and this boy's trying to get back to the land of living gods because it's a post-apocalyptic future where the the world is sort of used up and falling apart and this boy's trying to to get back to the land of the living gods to have them heal the earth but in the meantime he's facing a lot of challenges like you know human trafficking and uh you know thievery and whatnot because people are just doing anything they can to survive so uh, like I said, a lot of interesting ideas here, but unfortunately they're not all landing for me because I just, I don't have any context. That being said, I'm still going to keep reading because what does come through is the, you know, the, the heroism of this boy and the, the scope of the story, which is really, really uh, big. And some of these ideas are universally relatable, even if I don't necessarily understand the context of some of these um african legends as it were or myths uh okay last book for jay is time before time number 11 this is written by declan shalvey and rory mcconville art is by joe palmer colors by chris o'halloran letters by hassan atman elhow uh it's been a really fun time travel crime war story that certainly continues in this issue what do you think jay Oh, it's good. I think we talked about it before. It's like when you first read the book, like if you're going to be a first time reader in the story, you read the first issue, you're kind of like, what, what the hell's going on? <laughs> but once you read more of them, you kind of get the, the timeline. You're like, don't think too much of the timeline. Just read the story and it'll all fall into place. But this is good because uh, I feel like there's like three stories going on. Like the last issue was like three different separate stories going on. You kind of get the same vibe in this one. Uh, we find out that is the main character, has some issues going on because of what he's been doing um he uh nadia you know she's on the run uh they, they hook up later on uh, those two and then you got the uh or is it marstu marson that's in, like the mafia guy uh, of the union he's got issues going on in like the future the different uh timeline story but there's a lot of dirty crooked backhand going on there and you find out why in the story like oh that's why he did all this but the ending is interesting because it's like there's going to be, a, I guess, more another player in the, in the storyline. And like I said, it's a lot of action going on in this. We get a lot of the story in this, uh, you know, because um, Nadia, like her own mission, the whole story is trying to find her family. That has not yet been resolved. Uh, Tasu is still trying to get away, but he's still, you know, uh, involved with the union and the syndicate, you know, the two main uh, villains in the story. But like I said, the end, the last panel is like, okay, so now we got a third per, uh, group involved. But I think that involves with the robot that they're that, that we know is in the storyline as well. So we don't know anything about that that robot yet. 
Yeah, it's such a fun story. Like it is fun. Yeah, uh, and I and I think when it's all said and done, it'll make a lot more sense in terms of the, of the timelines. But yeah, you kind of just gotta power through, not pay too much attention to what particular year you're in. But uh, anyway, it's it it is a fun fun book. Uh, okay, last title I'm going to talk about also an image book. There's a ton of creators on this one. It's Stillwater, The Escape. So Stillwater created by Chip Zdarsky and Ramon K. Perez with colors by Mike Spicer. And they sort of do the the framework story. And the framework story is basically a bunch of uh, members of Stillwater, a bunch of uh, citizens of the town are sitting around the campfire telling stories. And the stories are are done by other creators. So we have a story called The Prisoner by Jason Liu. He does the writing and the art and then live to tell which is written by andrew wheeler Su- Su- uh, sue lee does the art d kind of on colors matrimony by ethan young uh writer and artist and then d kind of does the letters uh, or does the colors for that one rather russ wooten does the letters throughout so it gives some context and is a good introduction to anybody who hasn't been reading stillwater you can kind of get a good idea of um of what the, the series is all about, which is basically about this town where anybody within the city limits can't die. Um, or even if they get wounded, the wounds regenerate, they heal, all that kind of stuff. So uh, really, really good. Plus at the end of this one shot, um, there's some hints that things may be changing in Stillwater uh, with sort of new leadership that we've seen over the past couple of issues. So, uh, I can't really say much more about it than that without ruining uh, or without spoiling, which I don't want to do, but uh, I did really enjoy this, uh, this issue. So, and I think Stillwater is an extremely underrated series. It's so good. So that does it for the books we're going to talk about in detail. Let me give a rundown on some other titles that you might want to be on the lookout for as you head to your comic shop today. Uh, I don't know that we mentioned Maybe we did uh, the first issue of this, but from Ablaze, Life Zero, it's up to issue number two. Um, it's from Stefano Vietti and Marco Cicchetto. And it's about this prison, apparently, with infected inmates. Um, and this team is sent in to extract the non-prisoners and everything kind of goes crazy. Uh, but I don't know if it, if it's the fact that the, the prisoners seem to be like these zombies. Like I'm not I'm not exactly sure. I haven't read it, but I'm just based on the fact uh, on the on the images I've seen. It looks pretty brutal. Have you did you read the first issue, Jay? Yes, I did. So it's pretty much it's, it was a mist that showed up, and he's a captain in the military. He's in the prison, so he was isolated. So that's why he wasn't affected by you know becoming you know, a creature but this team's going there to try to get him out but of course like you said it goes awry so and uh i just like that the artist that's doing it did uh, devil's reign and daredevil um so i just like the artwork so that's why i picked it up and it's been it's fun so i'm looking forward to the second one yeah it looks brutal basically oh it is <laughs> issue, yeah uh, okay over at aftershock we have bunny mask volume one which is a series jay and i really really liked by paul tobin uh art by andrew moody coming back for a second arc at some point but if you missed the first arc you can grab it in trade uh also out of body that trade paperback from aftershock is also out today 
uh, over at Boom, written by Cullen Bunn, Basilisk number eight is out, House of Slaughter, uh, second printing of issue four hit stands today. And then regarding the matter of Oswald's body, which is a conspiracy story written by Christopher Cantwell about uh, assassination of JFK and uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and whatnot uh, from DC. And again, you can go listen to these uh, in our DC spotlight. As I mentioned, Batman, Superman, world's finest, number one, written by Mark Wade, Batman, the night number three of 10 from Chip Zdarsky, Catwoman, number 41. Detective Comics number 1057, Flash number 780, which ties into the War for Earth 3. We have Justice League number 74, which is Brian Michael Bennis's final issue on the series. Uh, Nightwing number 90 from Tom Taylor. Robins number 5 of 6, written by Tim Seeley. Uh, Titans United number 7 of 7, written by Kevin Scott. That ends that series. That was a great, great series. Third chapter of Trial of the Amazons in Wonder Woman 785. And then uh, Stephanie Phillips has Wonder Woman Evolution number 5 of 8. Okay, continuing uh, our list here from Image, in addition to the books that we talked about, we have Homesick Pilots number 13 from Todd McFarlane, Scorched number 3. Uh, Walking Dead Deluxe, number 35, which is basically Walking Dead in color. And then What's the Furthest Place from Here, number five from uh, from Matthew Rosenberg. Over at Marvel, uh, Carnage, number one. A lot of people have been looking forward to that. And then uh, Star Wars, The Halcyon Legacy, number two of five is also out today. So again, uh, and we talked about the rest of them. So yeah, really, really light week from uh from Marvel this week for whatever reason. Uh, and I think that is it. Oh, I did want to mention from Scout Comics, there's a new number one called The Rad Wraith. Um, and uh, it looks weird. It says it's the story of a young skateboarder named Grom who falls victim to a prank gone wrong and dies at the bottom of a half pipe. So <laughs> yeah, it sounds weird. Um, sounds very eighties, that rad wraith title. So uh, anything else you want to mention, Jay? Oh, just uh, vault comics. The last book you'll ever read number six comes out. I've actually enjoyed that. It's been pretty fun. Uh, it's, the writer is uh, Cullen Bunn and the artist is uh, Leah Lees. And uh, it's just been fun. It's brutal, but uh, it, I like it a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I, I've heard really good things about that book. So, uh, okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Hope you had a chance to listen to my interview with Kelly Thompson earlier this week. Also, I had an interview yesterday with uh, Joshua Williamson. Talked a lot about Dark Crisis and what to expect from DC coming up uh, over the rest of the year. So, uh, we appreciate the support as always. And we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. 
If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.